Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I am excited to talk to you guys today about dairy, dairy products. Now, I've already done a detailed episode on dairy, but since this is all about, this whole month is all about less but better, I wanted to share with you the most important things you need to know about dairy when fat loss is your goal. So I will link to the full dairy episode that I did. I think it was episode 25 of the podcast, so it's been a long time. Those of you who are newer to Primal Potential who have not yet gone through all of the previous episodes, though I think that you should definitely do that. There are some great ones out there. I'm going to hit the highlights today about dairy. Now, in the in the episode that I will link to that I've already done, I go into like good, better, and best when it comes to dairy choices. So if you have questions about dairy, make sure that in addition to this episode, you also check out that older one. I will say this, and I have been getting a lot of questions about it. Some of you are wondering why the earliest episodes of the podcast are not available in iTunes. And that is because for whatever reason, iTunes made the business decision to only display the most recent 100 episodes. So once a podcast gets past 100 episodes, you don't see the original ones. Now, with that said, all of the episodes are available on primalpotential.com. All of them all the way back to episode 000. All you do is go to primalpotential.com, hit the podcast tab, and they are all there. You can stream them live there or you can download the files. Both options are available to you. All right, before we talk about dairy, one last quick thing that I want to say is in case you have not seen it yet, there is a new free gift for those of you who are not yet on the VIP email list, which of course is free. It is 100 fat loss meal ideas and more than 30 fat loss friendly recipes. You can get that when you get on the VIP list. You can text the word fat loss, one word, to the number 33444, or you can go to primalpotential.com slash join, and you will get those 100 fat loss meal ideas and more than 30 recipes. If you're already on the VIP list, then you already got it because I sent it to you very recently. All right, so dairy, dairy products are pretty controversial in the weight loss and health spheres, but it doesn't have to be, right? Some people will say dairy is a whole food, so it's okay, 
right? Some dairy products are whole foods. Some are highly processed. But the pro and con argument about dairy is about far more than whether or not it's a whole food. Because, I mean, rocks are not processed, but that doesn't mean that we should eat them. There are obviously other considerations. And I'll just be upfront for those of you who are wondering if there's a hard or fast yes or no here. There's not. I am not in the firmly yes or no dairy camp for you. I'm in the pretty strong no dairy camp for myself based on my body and my goals, but I want to help you find that answer for you. And so I'm going to be talking about 10 different things you need to keep in mind as you are making this dairy decision for you. In general, when people ask what's the difference between paleo and primal, paleo tends to be a little bit more definitive, like anti-dairy, anti-alcohol. Of course, there's exceptions always. I'm speaking in generalities. Whereas primal tends to see dairy and alcohol as gray areas. And despite creating a company called Primal Potential, I'm really, I don't define myself as paleo or primal. I just do what works for my body based on real food, not processed foods. It's worth noting that we are the only mammals who consume the milk of another mammal. But we're also, to my knowledge, the only mammal to use computers most days, if not all days. And somebody is definitely going to send me a picture of a, of a cow playing solitaire on an iMac or something. But so my point with that is just because we are the only mammals that consume the milk of another mammal, that in and of itself doesn't make it wrong. But it is definitely worth considering. It's also important to note that if you are one of those people that thinks, oh, well, I feel fine when I eat dairy, if you are eating it regularly, then you don't necessarily know that you couldn't feel much better without it. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. And a lot of people get really stressed out when they read or hear conflicting opinions on any topic, right? I get a lot of emails that are like, so-and-so said that such-and-such such is bad, or did you see this study that says, you know, we all need to be careful about broccoli? And I get it. I understand the need for answers and the frustration when there's mixed messages. But if we are looking out into the world in general, I argue that we're looking in the wrong place because we could find opinions and quote-unquote science, and I use the word science very loosely because it doesn't take much, or really anything, to publish a study and call it science. But, you know, we could find opinions on anything being dangerous. Nuts, leafy greens, fruit. And so if we allowed that to dictate our decisions, we wouldn't eat, we wouldn't breathe, and we sure as heck would not drink water. Nothing replaces what your body tells you. With or without dairy, do you have more energy, less energy, better fat loss, not so much, more hunger and cravings, less, more acne, clearer skin? How's your bloating, bowel regularity? Are you more or less gassy? Do you see where I'm going with this? I think that in general, playing around with what you incorporate and what you don't, obviously one thing at a time, is worth the investigative process of seeing, do I feel better? Do I have more energy? Do I have clearer skin? That in and of itself is worth it. You will only know your body's response, let's say you're a regular dairy eater, if you decide to cut it out for two to four weeks and just see what happens. All right. If we are going, one more thing about the research, the science, and again, loose 
loose phrasing there uh, before we get into the 10 things I want you to consider. I love what Chris Kresser says about the research, the science. When people point to what is a proposed mechanism of action, that is very different from what actually happens. So what I mean by that is there is a lot of research that says this is bad because look at what happens in the body. That is a very different type of science than here are real people who eat this thing and here are their health outcomes. So I would encourage you to be wary of things that are talking strictly about mechanism of action in the body or, God forbid, in animals. And instead, if you are going to rely on the research instead of your body, make sure we're looking at like real effect on human life, right? Not proposed or theorized mechanism of action based on cell cultures or rats or mice or anything like that. All right. So in general, Nothing is off limits, including dairy, but we do need to really understand what we're talking about. So these are 10 things I want you to keep in mind when evaluating whether or not you should incorporate dairy or not for fat loss. First of all, we have to look at what milk is and what it is for. The goal of milk, milk's primary purpose is to accelerate the growth of an infant by delivering hormones and antibodies and other nutrients when they aren't otherwise present in that infant's system, right? So at the very most basic level, when we consume cow's milk, we are consuming milk that is intended to accelerate the growth of and deliver nutrients to baby cows, right? So that milk contains hormones and antibodies to accelerate the growth of baby cows, just like human breast milk contains hormones and antibodies to accelerate the growth of a human baby, right? That's just true. And I want everybody to understand that that is what milk is. And I often joke with my with my clients, like, I just don't need bovine growth hormone and bovine estrogens and bovine whatever else. Like, <laughs> I've got enough of my own stuff. I don't need some, like, growth accelerating product in my system. So I just want everybody to be really clear that that is what milk is. The second thing I want everybody to understand is that milk and most milk products naturally contain a sugar known as lactose. Now, butter and ghee contain very little or no lactose. We'll get into that. But we tend to think of sugar in a very narrow way. Like, uh, if it doesn't say sugar on the label, then there must not be sugar. And that is not true. When we rely on food labels to tell us whether or not something contains sugar, we will often be misled because it's not going to tell us how many grams of sugar do you see listed on your carton of milk or your uh, bag of mozzarella cheese? Zero. But those carbs... Those carbs come from lactose, milk sugar. When you are digesting that product, it is broken down to its simplest part, lactose, sugar naturally found in milk and milk products. 
Now there's something else about this lactose, right? Because many of you are familiar with that because of the term lactose intolerance. Now lactose intolerance in infancy, like having a baby that cannot metabolize uh, its mother's breast milk is pretty rare, right? However, lactose intolerance developed later in life can impact anywhere between 65 and 75% of people. That means that up to 75% of people-ish have a decreased ability to digest this milk sugar lactose, right? And it's important to understand that lactose intolerance is not an all or nothing situation. Just because you can eat dairy products and not go running to the bathroom does not mean that you aren't mildly lactose intolerant, right? I have a mild degree of lactose intolerance. Certain uh, forms of dairy do not sit well in my stomach at all. It's funny, I get a lot of emails that are pe that, from people who are like, how do you eat so many vegetables? You must have like a steel gut. I could never do that. We're all different, right? I have a tolerance for cru cruciferous vegetables that a lot of other people don't have, but I don't have a dairy tolerance for all types of dairy. So it's important to understand that, you know, some forms of lactose intolerance are going to be very severe with cramping or diarrhea or vomiting, and other forms might just be mild gas and bloating, right? And it might be something that you experience so regularly that you just think everybody gets bloated at the end of the day or everybody has mild gas. No, those are both signs from your body that something isn't going quite right. Now, number three, and this is where I really want you to pay attention because most people do not know this, and if they've heard it, they don't understand it, so I want to break it down. Dairy products do generate an insulin response. Now, if you don't know why I am emphasizing this as a significant point related to weight loss, please go back to the episodes that I have done recently on insulin and how insulin has a major, major, major role in either allowing for fat loss or disallowing fat loss. Dairy products do create an insulin response in the body. And this confuses a lot of people, and understandably so, because there are often little to no carbohydrates in these dairy products, and they have a low glycemic index, so we assume that they are not um, having a, an insulin response when we consume them. So glycemic index suggests the impact that a food has on your blood sugar, right? So Typically, what we see is that if a food has a low glycemic index, then there's not much of an insulin reaction because insulin typically responds to higher blood sugar, right? So if we're saying that dairy products don't really have that much of an impact on your blood sugar, now ice cream excluded and sweetened yogurt products excluded, of course, but looking at um, less processed dairy, if it doesn't impact your blood sugar, then how does it impact insulin? Typically these two things go together, right? But if we think about the purpose of milk, which I started with, right, to deliver nutrients, accelerate growth, well then it makes sense that when we consume dairy, even if it doesn't elevate our blood sugar, that insulin is released, why? 
because insulin is basically the fuel delivery hormone. And if the purpose of milk is to accelerate growth and deliver nutrients so that growth can be accelerated, well then, of course insulin's going to respond to dairy because if it didn't, let's think about an infant, right? Without insulin, the nutrients cannot get where they need to go into the cells so that the body can function. So the, the lack of an insulin response would mean that the fuel delivered by the milk doesn't get delivered as efficiently. So dairy products have a very unique response in that they don't necessarily create this big spike in blood sugar, but they do deploy insulin, which is where it gets tricky for fat loss. Now, if you are somebody like, say, my trainer, Nathan, who I've interviewed on the podcast before, and you're training for the CrossFit Games like he is, you could use this insulin effect of dairy much to your advantage, right? Like having a big glass of milk or whey protein shake after a workout to accelerate the delivery of fuel to those growing muscles that you just strained, that's great, efficient and effective. So it can be used to the advantage of, say, athletes, people who are training very, very intensively, not just like the the typical workout. But if you are insulin resistant to any degree or you consider yourself carb sensitive or if fat loss is your primary goal and you're not sure if you're carb sensitive or insulin resistant, then I would suggest dialing back dairy, right? because it is going to elicit this insulin reaction, which impairs our ability to burn fat, okay? Now, I don't think everybody needs to make this change right out of the bat. Remember, it's all about what represents an improvement to you. And I would never tell anybody that they should not eat Greek yogurt if the alternative is a bowl of cereal. It's all relative and we need to not lose sight of that right? But when we're focusing on what you need to know, it is important to understand that dairy products do generate an insulin response even though they have a low glycemic index. When we're focusing on what we really need to know, though, it's important to note that high-fat dairy products that are lower or protein-free, like they don't have any proteins if we're talking about butter or heavy cream, when we're talking about dairy, with fat and little or no protein, we do not see this same insulinogenic effect, okay? So when we look at dairy products that are higher in protein, we do see the insulin effect. When we look at dairy products that are higher in fat and lower in protein, very low or no protein, we don't see the same. So when we look at the Greek yogurts, when we look at milk, dairy with more protein, that is going to increase insulin far more than, say, heavy cream or butter. I also want to point out, since I used Greek yogurt as an example, that fermented dairy products, like yogurt, have less of the insulin response than, say, milk, non-fermented dairy. But when we see dairy products with protein, they do influence insulin more than dairy products without protein. Okay, so I want to make sure that everybody is really clear on that. We also don't see this insulin response with protein that's not from dairy, like steak, 
Of course, we've talked about what happens when you overconsume protein, but I'm just speaking in general here. All right, the fourth thing, and I sort of alluded to this um, at the start, that I want to point out is that the hormones produced by the animal that produces the milk, right? So the cow, the goat, whatever, the hormones that are produced by that animal and also the hormones with which the animal is treated, right? Many of these animals, especially when we're talking about cows, they are treated with additional growth hormones to stimulate their milk production. And they are also treated with antibiotics. Those are present in the milk. Of course they are, right? When we test milk products, we almost always see estrogen, we almost always see growth hormone, and then depending on the quality of the milk product, right, the quality of the animal that produced the milk and how they were treated, we can see tons of other hormones, both natural and artificial, right? Just like there's estrogen in human breast milk, there is bovine estrogen in cow's milk, right, and bovine growth hormone. And I don't think we need to be alarmist about this, but we do need to understand what milk is by nature, where it comes from, and what it is delivering to our bodies. The fifth thing that I want you to understand about dairy as you make this decision about whether or not it has a place for you in your regular diet, casein is the primary protein in milk and milk products, and it is a very common allergen and triggers immune reactions in sensitive individuals. And I could do an episode in and of itself on casein, but the goal of really everything I'm doing for you guys this month is about less but better. We don't need to get lost in the rabbit hole. Essentially, what you need to know is that casein, because it is a common allergen in many people, it can cause inflammation in your digestive tract and really throughout your whole body. Now, does it trigger inflammation in all people? No, but it is a very common allergen and you can have differing degrees of sensitivity. And the only real way to know how sensitive you are is to eliminate it for two to four weeks and really pay attention to how you feel. If you have any autoimmune symptoms or challenges in any way, try eliminating dairy and see how your body responds. The sixth thing that I want to point out is that all milks are not created equal. Cow's milk is certainly not your only option, and a lot of people ask about the difference between cow's milk and goat's milk because more and more goat products are popping up in the grocery store. And so I want to just point out goat's milk in particular contains less lactose, that's the milk sugar, and less casein, that's the common protein that's often problematic, than cow's milk does. So goat's milk has less lactose and less casein than cow's milk. Goat's milk also has more fat than cow's milk does. All right, number seven, I had to put in here because it's a good question, it's one I get a lot, and for some of you, you're gonna be like, really, you had to say that? But I, I, I don't wanna assume that anybody knows anything, and from emails, this is, this is a legitimate question because of the naming, the naming of this. I'm gonna do this with a straight face, I swear. Nut milk is not milk. Nut milk 
is not milk. So almond milk, cashew milk, anybody else have a hard time saying nut milk with a straight face? Anyway, for the sake of clarity, when we look at almond milk, cashew milk, coconut milk, they are not milk. They are water and nuts, not milk, right? Nut milk just sounds better than nut juice. And I bet you are all wishing that I had not just said nut juice, but I did. Because we don't squeeze an orange and call it milk. Why? Because it's not milk. But we will extract water from an almond and we'll call it milk. But it's not. And it leads to, <laughs> it leads to confusion. And so I want to clear up the confusion, right? We only do it because nut juice is way worse than nut milk. And for those of you, again, who feel like I'm stating the obvious, that nut milk is not milk, it's not obvious for everybody. So I'm, I'm just here to help. I'm just here to serve. It's not milk. It's also not nut juice. It's just nuts. But anyway, we, we will move on. Number eight, whether or not dairy is healthy for you or fat loss friendly for you depends in large part on your gut health. And this is why it's going to be different from person to person. There is something known as leaky gut, and we will absolutely go into that in a lot more detail in a future episode, but basically it means that the lining of your digestive tract isn't protecting you the way that it should. It's letting in stuff that it should keep out. It's leaky, right? And you can have compromised GI permeability to different degrees, right? You might have a lot of stuff getting in that shouldn't be getting in. You might have a little bit of stuff getting in that shouldn't be getting in. But that's important to keep in mind because you will have more of an aggravated response to dairy the more compromised your GI tract is, okay? So you're more likely to have an immune reaction. You're more likely to experience diarrhea or gas or bloating. You can improve this, but it's important to keep in mind. Number nine, your bacterial balance within your GI tract also really matters. And I did an episode a while back on probiotics that I, because when we talk about bacterial balance, we're talking in large part about probiotics. I will link to that in the show notes if you haven't heard that one yet. It's a good one. But I want everybody to understand that if you have bacterial overgrowth in your small intestine, too much bacteria, or you just don't have the right balance of healthy bacteria in your gut, those bacteria will feed on, they feed on sugar, and they will feed on that lactose, the milk sugar, and cause fermentation. And this is why for some people, dairy causes gas and bloating. All right, and then number 10, and we talked about this in terms of all milks not being created equal, right? But all forms of dairy, whether it's all, like all forms of cow's milk are not created equal and all forms of goat's milk are not created equal. For example, if you are reacting significantly or not to lactose, then you will want to stay away from the yogurts, the milks, the ice cream, but you might be okay with butter and heavy cream, right? Or raw cheese. Raw cheese, and I'll tell you why I'm specifying raw, raw cheese contains the enzyme lactase that breaks down lactose, so you might be able to handle raw cheese. The reason I say raw is because when we pasteurize cheese, we denature that enzyme lactase, and so we don't get the same benefit. So it's important to understand that just because you're sensitive to, say, yogurt and ice cream, which is where I struggle with um, the 
with the higher protein dairy products, I am not as intolerant of cheese or heavy cream or butter. So it's important to understand that the form matters too because the lactose content will be varied and the casein content will be varied as well as, um, of course, of course, the fat. So those are the 10 things I want you to keep in mind. And I would imagine that many people are like, well, gosh, maybe I should dial back the dairy, but what the heck am I going to do about calcium? I want to be clear that calcium is the single most abundant mineral in our food supply. Like, it's everywhere. Yet when we think about calcium, we think that's why we have to have dairy. That's a really limited view, and I'll tell you where it came from. It's a fair view. It came from people who sell milk and cheese. They were like, oh, this is a good source of calcium, so let's just hammer that home. And so when we think about calcium, all we think about is dairy, but that's just a mixed marketing message. Canned salmon is an excellent source of calcium, as are sardines. Kale contains a lot of calcium, as do almonds, right? For you nut milk, nut juice people. <laughs> Oranges are a good source of calcium. Sesame seeds as well as seaweed. So calcium is everywhere. The reason we think it limited to dairy is because of brilliant marketing by people who sell dairy products. The other thing about calcium, though, that I would be remiss to not mention here is that if you are truly deficient in calcium, that does not necessarily mean that you are not consuming enough calcium in your diet. And you might be like, what do you mean? Of course that's true. No. In order to metabolize calcium, there are many other cofactors. So you might be getting plenty of calcium, but you're not getting enough phosphorus or magnesium or vitamin D or vitamin A or K2 or boron, right? The options there are limitless, obviously. But we have to really understand that being calcium deficient is not just about eating enough calcium. It's about making sure that your body has the cofactors it needs to metabolize the calcium. That's why I really struggle with people who are like, oh, I'll just take a supplement. Your issue might not be calcium consumption. Your issue might be not having enough of, say, K2 or not enough of D3 or any other kind of thing. So just want you to keep that in mind. As you evaluate whether or not dairy has a role for you, I want you to really consider when the time is right, when it's the appropriate change for you to make. You might be working on other big rocks right now, and that's fine. Cut it out for a couple of weeks, two to four. See how you feel, and then add back in one thing at a time. Don't add back in butter and yogurt and ice cream and milk at the same time because if you then experience discomfort you don't know which form caused it so i would cut it all out for two to four weeks and see how you feel right see what changes this could be your skin acne or just in general skin health it could be reflux it could be gas bloating any type of bowel regularity or irregularity um, it could be inflammation Really just pay attention to your body in general, and then if and when you decide to add it back in, add it back in one thing at a time, just like you were introducing new foods to a baby. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Dairy is one of my favorite things to talk about because it is so misunderstood and controversial. Don't forget, if you're not yet on the free Primal Potential VIP email list, you can get your 100 fat loss meal ideas. As soon as you sign up, you can just text the word fat loss, one word, to the number 33444. 
Or if you don't want to use your phone or you're not in the United States, just go to primalpotential.com join. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great one. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. Hey Houston, Con's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Con's today and find out what invincible feels like. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.